0: Thank you, Pastor Corey. Yes, maybe someday. Uh, um, hello, everyone. It's great to be with you all here today. Um, I'm sorry, again, that we couldn't have in-person church, but I hope that you are warm and cozy in your houses uh, with a blanket, maybe sipping some hot chocolate. I know that that's what I am planning to do after service when I get home. Uh, sit down on the couch, watch some sports. And speaking of sports, how about how about that Dodger game last night? Did any of you catch it? It was... a A crazy uh, back-and-forth game Dodgers lost on the last-minute play Um, but hopefully they can overcome uh, this next game tonight in the World Series Um, and speaking of overcoming in the World Series we are going through an overcomer sermon series in which we will uh, and last week we talked about overcoming loneliness and today we are going to talk a little bit about overcoming confusion now I don't know about you but I've personally been confused about a lot of things in my life, um, and so I was thinking about uh, everything that's been c- confused me, um, and I made a, a, a list, a top three list of everything that's, that's confused me over the course of my 27 year lifespan. Uh, and the number one spot uh, we have calculus. Calcul- I am not not math is not my strong suit. Um, the second one is is girls which Kylie can attest to. And, and the third one is uh, the theological and philosophical mysteries of our, of our world, whether it's predestination uh, and, and free will or, or just why, why does God do this or why is evil around in the world today. And so I told the youth uh, that my top three list and um, one of them asked me why I decided to become a youth pastor instead of uh, becoming like a relationship counselor or like a mathematician. And I thought it was really sweet that they thought I had the ability or desire to do either of those, right? But I really, but we, I really uh, love getting into these theological and philosophical mysteries. Um, and today, in, our, in today's passage, uh, we're going to see that the psalmist um, who wrote Psalm 73, he really delves in deep to one of these, these big mysteries and questions that he's wrestling with. So I've, been, uh, I've invited uh, Pastor Darren to come up and uh, read this passage with me since it's a little bit of a longer, um, a longer passage. So we're gonna alternate back and forth and hopefully um, you'll really get a sense of, of, of the tension and the struggle there. Psalm 73 reads, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart.
1: But as for me, my feet had almost slipped I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked.
0: They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore their people turn to them and say, and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the most high know anything?
1: This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth.
0: Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long, I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments.
1: If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny.
0: Surely you placed them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed by terrors and completely swept away. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies.
1: When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you.
0: Yet I am always with you. With you, you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. Afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever.
1: Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds
0: Thank you, Pastor Darren Um, So I originally just wanted someone to read the scripture right because it was longer But I I hope you really get a sense as as me and Pastor Darren uh, go back and forth that there's there's this real Tension and that he's wrestling with Um, there's like two competing voices almost Um, and and this kind of, kind of dilemma that he's facing with, with two voices is not uncommon when we're facing um, an area of confusion. Um, and as I was preparing this passage uh, for today's sermon, uh, as I was thinking about, um, a- as this was in my mind, I, I couldn't help but, but notice that I came across a modern day situation that I think really highlights the the psalmist's angst and, and his, his feeling. Um, I was scrolling on Twitter as one does, and um, I came across a tweet by someone that I follow, um, and he and he said, "My belief in God is like 90% nah and 10%. If you're real sweetie, you're not doing very good at this, right? And so when you hear that when you hear that tweet, maybe you get like it evokes some emotion, right? Because he's taking a shot at God." but he's commenting on this very idea that the psalmist is wrestling with, right? He he says uh, he's he's asking like, if God was real, wouldn't He do something? And if you are here today and um, or watching this online, and you happen to be confused about why God allows the wicked to prosper, then like we have a very specific like sermon and passage for you. Um, but if uh, I, if that's not the case, um, I know that not everybody is confused about the same things, but probably we all are confused about something, right? Some of us might be asking questions like, why did God allow COVID-19? Or why is God allowing me or my loved ones like to suffer? Um, why is school or work being such a drag? <laughs> or why on God's green earth is my neighbor's car alarm going off at 3 a.m. in the morning? Uh, that last one was a little personal for me um, but sometimes something is confusing right and you get through it like calculus or like a car alarm uh, but even left unchecked right that that can eventually become disorienting a lack of understanding a lack of it can can eventually lead to a situation of of, of panic right of when you are so like misunder- there's so many misunderstandings and confusion, it can lead to a breakdown uh, of unity, of a breakdown of relationship, a breakdown of sanity, and even a breakdown of our faith in, in God, like the psalmist is currently going through. In fact, confusion can have an incredibly adverse effect on our ability to live as Christ is calling us to, because it creates doubt, it impedes progress, and it sows division. Uh, the youth group and I, uh, we sometimes play this game, which probably at this point in time is the most popular game in the entire world right now, and that game is called Among Us. Um, it's, it's on your phone and on the computer, and, it's a, and it's, uh, you're, it's, you're a cute little astronaut, and you're running around a spaceship trying to fix your ship, um, but there are two alien imposters who look just like the astronauts and are trying to bump them off. And whenever someone's body is found, a meeting is called and everyone has to discuss whether they, who they think the killer is. Right? And the crewmates are trying to do their tasks, fix, fix their ship and vote off the killers. But uh, the imposters benefit the most if they can create as much confusion as possible and have the crewmates accuse one another so they can escape detection and win the game. And while this is like a really cute and fun video game, can we not see some parallels to our society today? Right. John 10.10 says that Satan is interested in killing, stealing, and destroying. We see that there is definitely intentional confusion being sown in our political sphere and in the media. We, we, we feel the effects of confusion on our lives and we find ourselves wondering what God is up to in the midst of all of this. Here are some excerpts that highlight uh, the psalmist's confusion, right, that his, his wrestling. Once, one says, uh, such are, are the wicked, they are always at ease, they increase in riches. Uh, another one says, and they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? And lastly, he says, like, in, surely in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands of innocence. For all day long I've been plagued and I'm punished every morning, right? And so we see, we see that the psalmist like, knows that God is a God of justice and a God of power, and, and, and we see also that, that people are doing things that are wrong, and that's hurting his soul, right? Or maybe his physical being. Um, and now he has this dilemma, right? He, God isn't enacting justice, and so he's asking why, right? Is God, is God not all-powerful? Is God un- blissfully unaware of these things? Or is, is he uh, not justice-oriented? Um, in short, is God really who he says he is? Or put another way, is God a God worth following? We read further and we see that the psalmist is wrestling with this, and he feels it's impossible. He feels it's crushing his spirit and his faith. When he, it says, when he thought how to understand this, right? He he found it wearisome, um, and another translation translation says that it was oppressive to him. However, we see in the next verse that there's a seismic shift. Right? He it says it, w- it seemed wearisome until until i went into the sanctuary of god then i perceived their end boom there it is right there right the, the breakthrough and answer to confusion it's not a guru at the top of, the, of a, a mountain peak or all of google's computing powder power it is uh, god's sanctuary that's the answer to confusion cool what is what does that mean right um The sanctuary of God during the time that the psalmist was writing would have primarily been had two components to it. One, the sanctuary was the place where God's presence dwelled. And secondly, it was where God's people would come and worship him and offer sacrifices. And so uh, these two elements, which make up the sanctuary of God, God's presence and God's people, are the antidote for confusion because in those things we will find wisdom, discernment, understanding, truth, and unity, and these are the things that we need to stand against confusion. So we're going to discuss God's presence and God's people, um, and and intermittently I'll have four questions for us to reflect on um, throughout throughout today and and perhaps the rest of the week. So let's start with God's presence, and let's start at the very beginning. Genesis 1-1 says that in the beginning, god created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and void right and and in hebrew the word for formless and void is is called tohu and bohu respectively not tofu although when tofu isn't square it's does look rather formless and void but rather tohu and bohu which together essentially mean a state of chaos and utter confusion. Proverbs says by wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations and by understanding he set the heavens in place. So we see that God has since the beginning of time been in the, o- in the business uh, of c- creating, uh, of taking chaos and sh- changing it to order and making it life-giving. In fact, speaking of life, we, if we jump ahead all the way to the New Testament now, we see that Jesus not only claimed to be the way and the life, but also the truth, like the capital T truth. You can't get any closer to truth than that, right? And so if God is the ultimate source of, of <laughs> wisdom and, and truth, and if God has been in the business of taking our chaos and confusion and moving it to order and life, then The first question I have for us today is, are you spending time in the presence of God? Are you spending time in the presence of God? I urge you church to to do this, um, to spend time in the presence of God because not only can he be our greatest joy and delight, but in him we have this wisdom and the truth uh, and understanding that we need to fight against things that are confusing. And while in the Old Testament, right, there was a physical location for the sanctuary, uh, in the God has since, through Jesus, like, uh, take, taken the sanctu- God's sanctuary as uh, what used to be a phys- uh, physical location. It used to be made out of rock and stone. And he has made it a sanctuary of flesh, of our hearts, right? So God can be with us. God's presence can be with us no matter where we are which is really great because no, none of you guys are here right now, you're all at home, right? But God can meet us wherever we are at. And we might not always be good at meeting God uh, because we're constantly having things compete for our time, like uh, technology and, and entertainment and um, COVID restrictions, right? But I wanted to bring this to our attention because, because spiritual hunger kind of works the opposite of, of physical hunger, right? Physical hunger, you, you eat, you get full. But spiritual hunger, right, the more you eat, taste God, the more you feast on, on his presence, the hungrier you are for him. And so I encourage, I encourage you to seek Jesus, and he will give you the discernment to choose these things over him that otherwise might lead, or choose Jesus over the th- things that would distract you from him um, and, and really seek and be in his presence. The second question I have for you is this, who are you worshiping? Who are you worshiping? And I ask this question because I think a lot of us uh, have, a lot of our big theological and philosophical dilemmas, they come from from this question, who are we worshiping? Um, Most of us know that when we worship an idol, right, whether it's it's our family or a relationship or success, right, that becomes our ultimate source of joy and then, it, we we all only try to pursue that thing and win, and that thing will eventually let us down, right? And God is the only thing that won't let us down, but that's actually not what's happening here in this passage, right? The psalmist isn't trying to choose between God and an idol; he's trying to choose. He's he's confused because his understanding of God is not meeting with with how he is seeing God act, and so um, I I want to we say that it's totally okay for us to have these confusing. Uh, things and to really wrestle through these issues, but however, in this particular case, I will argue that that I think there is an issue with the psalmist's worship here, right? He, I think, I think he's he's sort of uh, at best, right? He's he's taking a misunderstanding that he has about God and placing it on on God and expecting him to fit into his own framework, or he's at worst, he's taking God and creating him in his own image, and. Before I explain a little bit more about that, I think there's a great video clip that sort of highlights what's happening here.
2: I'll ask you another question about the Bible. Uh, well,
1: yes, of course you can, Ben.
2: King Herod set out in order to kill baby Jesus, right?
1: Right. Yes, he did. Yeah.
2: Well, why didn't baby Jesus zap him?
1: Well, yes, I, I, I suppose in th- in theory he could have. Zapped him, he
2: Because Herod was a tiny little speck of nothing to Jesus. Because Jesus could have squished him with a hippopotamus or But Jesus was meek and mild.
1: Well, yes, that's true, Karen.
2: And besides, he knew that when King Herod got to hell, that God would roast him until his eyeballs exploded. And why has God only given us 15,000 billion years left to live before the sun dies? Uh. Would Jesus forgive somebody if they flew up to heaven in a big rocket, mm-hmm. and as soon as he goes to heaven, he punches Jesus in the face and he beats Jesus up? Would Jesus s- s- say, ooh, I forgive you? Or would he or would he fight back and not? and knock? That man
1: out I, of I heaven. just can't see a situation where somebody would get into heaven and, 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 and punch uh, Jesus. And
2: also... The message in the Bible
1: is that we should forgive. Um, and it was important that uh, Jesus died for us. He died to save us all.
2: That's a bit selfish of humankind, isn't it? Well, can't he find another way, like writing to somebody to tell them to be a bit better? Otherwise, something bad's gonna happen. Or, or like, uh, oh or goodness.
1: Like uh, look, I, I really must be. When Jesus
2: ge- was being crucified, no, actually, yeah, why didn't? I just realised
1: there's a, a few people over there. I, I must go and speak God to it. Send
2: a meteorite and destroy all the troops of the Romans who well, were
1: Well, it was the way that God chose. He wanted him. to sacrifice His only Son. He wanted to show us how important it was. So He chose the most precious thing in the world to Him, and the most precious thing in the world to him was jesus
2: then why did he kill him ask you another question about the bible
0: all right thank you so much uh those kids asked some pretty hilarious questions right i mean i want to know what the answers to those some of those questions are but do you notice what the little boy's conception of of god is some big vindictive like powerful being, right? And, and the boy wasn't wrong, right? God is all-powerful. But perhaps he had some expectations of God that weren't in line with God's character, pl- timeline, or desires, right? And, and the psalmist doubted God because God wasn't moving on his timeline to enact justice rather than God's. And, and the disciple Peter was praised for understanding, rightly so, that Jesus was the Messiah but then a few verses later was rebuked by Jesus uh, because he, he said, surely you will never die. You will ne- surely, surely the Messiah will never die on the cross. And, and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, uh, for what you're saying is, is evil and wrong, right? And, and, and that's Peter's own misconception of, of who he thinks the Messiah is, and he takes that and places it on Jesus, telling God, this is how you operate, right? And how dare we do that? but are we not sometimes guilty of doing the same thing i know that i know that i am right and, and as as we get to know jesus better uh, and as we seek him we get to see more of who he is and understand a little bit more of of why he does what he does but we can only do that we can only really get to know him more if we are really assessing our hearts and making sure that we are worshiping a god who is not made in our own image right a god who We worship God for God and not for who we think he is. So I ask you to search your heart and examine, who are you worshiping? Are you conforming Jesus to your own image, or is Jesus conforming you to his? Okay, so that's that's God's presence, right? Are you spending time in God's presence, and who are you worshiping? That's the first part of the antidote towards confusion. And the second part of the antidote towards confusion is God's people. And with God's people, that's one of the best places you can experience God's presence. And God God knows this, and Satan knows this, right? So in addition to trying to inflict confusion on your relationship with God, he's also going to try to inflict confusion on God's people where you can experience God. And that's not to say, like, that the church needs to be completely unified on every subject and to, to stand against confusion, right? We, I think, uh, there's a lot of things that we can healthily disagree on. Um, we oftentimes will bring up uh, that there's a healthy rivalry right, between fans of UCLA and USC or, uh, or something like that, which always makes for a good laugh. Um, and we can always uh, uh, rejoice in that kind of thing. right? We can take joy in that. But um, there's other things that we can disagree with uh, each other on too, right? and we can do it well. But sometimes that takes hard work. Um, and so one of the f- and one of the most difficult like ways or one of the most difficult things for us to take that first step and, and to disagree with one another well is to listen to each other, right? And so my my third question for us is are we seeking to listen and understand one another? Are we seeking to listen and understand one another? It's a heart posture. I'm sure there a lot of us have different opinions on politics. And who will be voting for at the um, and probably in two weeks or already it's happened like we'll, we'll have voted on on two different sides of the spectrum right some people rep- will will vote Republican some people will vote Democrat maybe some people will write in their friend's name on the ballot um, and while it might benefit us right to think about how our faith shapes our political ethic and how and our political involvement. Um, I think it's totally possible for two Christians to be faithful and, and totally come um, down on opposite sides. Uh, and I know that there can be a lot of pitfalls for engaging this conversation, and I've seen a few social media posts get, get really heated between church members, like I've been tempted to jump in there and defend like what I wanted to say, right? But I hope that at the end of the day, we can do the hard work of listening to each other well and loving each other well. Well, because at the the end of the day we follow the lamb, not the donkey, not the elephant, or any other political party or ideology. And so if we can listen to one another and challenge each other to live more faithfully, whether it's politically or otherwise, that helps our church family, the people of God, to be more unified in Christ. The last question I have for us is, are we a faithful witness Are we a faithful witness, both to our brothers and sisters, and as a light to a confused world? When we are the unified church of Christ, it is a blessing for those who enter it, because they are able to experience the presence of God and be part of a wise and discerning community that can focus together on the goal of discipling and kingdom work. Hebrews 10.25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It can be easy to let our our church family slip away or to put church on the back burner with everything that's going on in our world, with COVID restrictions, etc. You know, if you're not part of the church or if you're not part of a small group, there's even less accountability to, to keep attending, right? Or, or to less opportunity to receive the encouragement that God longs for us to have. And I get it, right? Maybe you're, you're totally getting Zoom burnout right now and you just don't want to be online. Or maybe you aren't keen on seeing anyone until COVID's completely over and done with. Uh, maybe we need better ways to challenge one another or to encourage one another or to be more creative in, in, in how we do those things and how we do church. I only ask that you do not give in to a lackadaisical attitude towards God's people, towards the church, um, but instead actively seek to be a part of Christ's community And by encouraging and building one another up. That will be one of the strongest ways that we can fight confusion. So, uh, and there's also the other side, right? There's also, I, just as a United Church will will bless people, I hope that there, I know that there's gonna be a lot of people that will never set foot in our church, that will never watch our live streams. But when we go into the world, into our workplaces, into our online classes, uh, we are Christ's representatives. Um, and I, you know, I, I keep thinking back to the, that tweet at the beginning of, of the sermon that I mentioned. Um, and I, I, normally, I normally don't respond to people who like, tweet those sorts of things or put, put those things online. But I knew that since I had just seen it, like it had just been posted, and this person had a lot of followers, that if I responded really fast, uh, that there was a, d- a good chance a lot of people would see it, right? And so I um, typed as gracefully as I could, I typed something to the effect of, of like, "Hey, like I totally get where you're coming from. Like I'm sorry that you're feeling th- like this way. Like I pray that God really does step, uh, it really does uh, step in in a real way, right? Smiley face. you got to add the smiley face on the end." and i saw like a fair number of people like my tweet which made me happy um until about 10 minutes later when someone else responded like i mean if god has the power then he has the moral obligation to enforce justice in the world that he created right but only if he's omnibenevolent and if he's not omnibenevolent then he's not perfect and if he's not perfect then he's not god right they were and so they were challenging my my like my my happy like hopefully like I'm praying for you comment right, and so I was like, oh it's on, I'm rolling up my sleeves, I'm typing furiously on the keyboard, or at least at least that that's what i what what, what I would have done if I had been like really staunch on defending my beliefs right if I had really seen this as an attack, and maybe uh, maybe I would have um if the, uh, this passage already wasn't in my mind for today's sermon um if I hadn't underst- like, understood where the psalmist was coming from and considered where this person might be coming from. Thankfully, like, the, the res- end result was that we came away from that conversation more challenged um, and grateful for one another uh, that we could engage in like, a healthy way. And someone who didn't even participate in our conversation later commented saying how they thought, that, like, this, they thought about this specific subject a lot and that they appreciated uh, two people, especially on an online forum, being able to uh, be, be both thou- thoughtful and gracious. And so like, I know that my online interaction might not have changed anyone's hearts or minds, but I know that like, my own heart was, was changed and challenged. And so I will continue to pray like, that God does step in in a big way, like I had told that person I would. But in a way, God, God has already answered my prayer through this interaction. And so my prayer for us now is that may we be a light wherever we go, may we be a light wherever we go. So just to recap all the questions, are you spending time in the presence of God? Who are you worshiping? Are we seeking to listen and understand one another? And are we a faithful witness? I hope that you will take some time just to reflect on those questions later today and maybe throughout the week. Um, but as a final note, I'll leave you with this. I really wanted this to be a, a sermon where I could speak into areas that, that we might be confused about, like, like politics. And I w- wanted to really reassure you that for all the areas that I couldn't get to, like, that God can and will definitely speak into those areas that you're confused about. But the more I wrestled with, with this passage and with this sermon, I, I realized that that's not always the case. God doesn't always speak to the things we're confused about, at least not right away. There can be a danger that we shape Jesus into our own image and then subsequently get confused why he doesn't operate on our timeline or in a manner in which we want him to. I still don't have a completely satisfying answer to the psalmist's question that he posed, right, like why does evil continue to prosper? And I, I might answer, like, oh, maybe it's because God is, is showing mercy, right? He's delaying judgment that more people might come to him, which, which is what, I, is what I've, I've been thinking, right? But, but when faced with the harsh realities of life's situations and people's pain, like, that answer falls a little bit flat, right? Trying to explain why God would let COVID ravage our country's infrastructure and then cost someone their job Right or or trying to say why God would let a loved one suffer or pass away, like when I sit, share the answer with them, it doesn't really move the needle, right? It's not something that I have words for, and like it's and, and honestly, those situations are just like just really hard. Like it's awful, it's oppressive, it's 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 why would God allow this? It's it's painful, right? It's confusing and frustrating. Until. until we enter the sanctuary of God and it might not be instantaneous we we in in the scripture it's really easy to read into it that all of a sudden everything was clear that the the psalmist had a moment of of clarity right but that's actually never stated in fact we know that those sudden moments of clarity are not often the case it takes a long time to get through these really hard times However. What you will find in the sanctuary of God is a place to experience his presence and his people, a presence that will never leave you, no matter how hard it's getting, and a people who will mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. So I pray that our response to confusion will be like the psalmist's parting words in the passage. May we desire God more than anything on earth, Our health may fail and our spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of our heart. He is ours forever. Those who desert him will perish, for he destroys those who abandon him. But as for us, how good it is to be near God. We have made the sovereign Lord our shelter, and we will tell everyone about the wonderful things he does. Let's pray. God, please be with us as we come to you in our confusion, in our hurt, in our brokenness. I pray that we might turn away from from, from the lies and confusion of this world and turn towards the sanctuary of God and, and find our refuge in you. We love you and praise you Jesus and we give you all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen.